Hi everyone, this is Brant Van Rokel, lead pastor of Christ City Kitsilano, and I want to let you know about a couple of things. First, if you're not a part of a local church, let me invite you to join us at Fifth Avenue Cinema on Burrard Street at 9.30 a.m. We meet every Sunday morning for worship, word, and sacrament, and we'd love for you to join us there. Second, if you are new and you want to get connected, let me say welcome. Christ City Church Kitsilano is a neighborhood church committed to making missional disciples for the sake of the neighborhood. If you want to hear more about what God has called us to here in Kitsilano, then please reach out to me at brant at christcitychurch.ca or you can visit christcitychurch.ca slash Kitsilano. The scripture reading today is taken from Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me! Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Want to invite Alvin up? You already hear Alvin. Um, Alvin, I'm very excited to say, is preaching for us this morning. Uh, Alvin is our director of worship here at Christ City Church, um, but he's a lot more than that. Uh, for those of you who've come to know him as the, the chief servant of the congregation, taking care of all of our very many needs on a Sunday gathering, um, but also as a a brother in the Lord with a great wisdom and breadth of understanding of the Word of God, uh, a heart for discipleship, a desire that we would all grow in our love for Jesus and our, and our obedience uh, according to his Word. Alvin, you've been an incredible brother to me since you've come and joined us in ministry here at Christ City Church. Um, I'm just very, very excited to have Alvin preach for us for the first time here. Uh, so Alvin, can I pray for you as you begin? Let's do that. Um, Lord, I want to pray for my brother and uh, just ask that you would bless him in this moment, that you would use his words to build us up in our love and our devotion to Jesus Christ. God, would you cause us to see wonderful things in your word? Would you cause us to trust Jesus with all of our hearts? Would you cause us to obey and believe him and follow him? Lord, we pray that uh, you would really use this moment in a powerful way by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Am I on? Yeah. Good morning and um, happy Father's Day to all the dads here. Kudos to you. You've made it. And I'm a dad myself and I know how extremely easy to be a dad, especially the first week. I remember when I needed to hold my baby for the first time, it was just so easy. You know, like holding a football, it's very easy. 
or when I needed to change the diaper for the first time, it's so easy, you know, like nothing's flying, nothing's leaking and all that's so perfect. It's so easy to be a dad. I lied. <laughs> it's so hard. It's so difficult to be a dad. And should you think otherwise, dads, uh, you might want to check with your wife or maybe your kids. Yes, as a dad, I learn hard things. And uh, yeah, they get easier over time. But there's a few other things that just don't get easier. You know, our first child was born in Singapore with C-section surgery. I didn't know what to do. And uh, I was told to just wait in the room. And uh, later, a nurse showed up and she took me to the operating room. The doctor was almost done there and the next thing I knew, I was holding my baby for the first time. It was a bit scary, but it's amazing, you know, first baby. So I learned something new that day. If your wife's in labor, wait in the room until you are called, follow the nurse to the operating room, hold the baby, don't drop the baby, and give the baby back to the nurse. And don't forget to give your baby a name. I forgot about that, actually. <laughs> Our second child was born in Jakarta with C-section as well. So I told the nurse, ah, don't worry about me. I know the drill. So I was waiting in the room. But this time, no nurse showed up. So after a couple of hours, uh, they brought my wife back to the room. And uh, I was so surprised to see her. Like, why are you here? And then she looked at me and she asked, uh, how's the baby? And I said, I have no idea. Is she born yet? So I didn't know that I was supposed to be waiting in front of the operating room. Missed it. Third time's a charm, right? So same doctor, same hospital, same procedure, still the same dad here. This time I learned my lesson, so I was standing and waiting in front of the operating room. So the nurse finally brought out uh, uh, our son and he looked very healthy. Got tan fingers, tan toes, all complete, all good. But you know, after about an hour later, I was called to the baby room. And I could sense how tense the nurse was when she was trying to explain to me that my son had a breathing problem and they needed to admit him to NICU immediately. Otherwise, he might die. I tried to stay calm, but my heart was very anxious. I felt helpless. And I cried out to God. I prayed to, uh, for God to save him. But you know, at the same time, I was asking uh, him, I was asking God, why did he allow this to happen? Why do I have to go through this while I was uh, very obedient? I faithfully served and obey God. Why do I have to go through this? Is he really good? I wonder if you two have ever asked the same question. Is God really good? The story we are looking at today starts off with a similar situation. The disciples went through a storm when they actually obeyed Jesus. Verses 22 to 24. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. 
For context, this story comes after the one we looked at last week. The disciples were feeding thousands of very hungry people. Do you guys remember that? And you can imagine how gassed they are by now. But immediately, immediately, Jesus made them go. And the word made here comes from a Greek word that means more than just a simple instruction or direction. Jesus forced them to go. And they obeyed. And because they did obey, they went right through the storm. Is Jesus good? Is Jesus good? Christ City, He is good. Jesus is good. And from today's text, we're going to see that not only is Jesus good, but He is also the good God. We will see this morning that Jesus is the great and most powerful God, that He wants to save us. He is also the gracious God, so gracious that He's willing to save us even though we doubt Him. And because He is great, and because He is gracious, He is the glorious God, so good and so beautiful that we can't help ourselves but worship and adore Him. So three points for us this morning. Jesus is the great God. Point number two, Jesus is the gracious God. And three, Jesus is the glorious God. Great, gracious, glorious. So first, Jesus is the great God. Verses 25 to 27. And in the fourth watch of the night, that is between 3 and 6 a.m., He, Jesus came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. It was dark, it was stormy. However, notice this, the disciples were not afraid of the storm. But notice how the text uses three clauses just to describe how freaked out they were when they saw Jesus. They were terrified. They said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. And how did Jesus, how did Jesus respond? It's very interesting. It's also three clauses. Take heart. It is I. Don't be afraid. You see the parallel here? Terrified. Take heart. It's a ghost. It is I. They cried out in fear, and Jesus said, don't be afraid. A couple of things we need to look at here. First, the phrase, take heart, is typically used to encourage a person when they're about to experience uh, the great power of Jesus. For example, in Matthew 9, verses 20 to 22, we read, And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up, behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, if I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter. You see the same phrase? Your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. Now you might ask, why the encouragement? Why the encouragement? Because Jesus is God. And his power is infinitely greater than anything, than anything we could ever imagine, can, could ever think of. And Christ did that's terrifying. 
But you see, His power is not meant to scare us. It's meant to save us. His great power is meant to save us. As modern people, we don't like the idea of being scared. We don't like the idea of, being, uh, of not knowing. We prefer to center our lives around what we know, around we can, what we can verify, what we can uh, control, what we can repeat, what we can replicate, what we can reproduce. We don't like surprises, and we don't like things we can't explain. And as a result, we don't like the idea of God. We don't like the idea of how His miraculous power intervenes our world. But Christ said, if you want to experience Jesus, expect His terrifying surprises. And take heart, because He's there to save you. So first, Jesus said, take heart. Second, He said, it is I. It's me. No name. You know, Brent occasionally calls me and it's always the right time because I'm always driving. Uh, now, I don't have a, uh, my Bluetooth in my car, it doesn't have a caller ID. But whenever he called, he never said, it's Brent. And he didn't have to. Because I know it's him the minute I hear his voice. And I think this is what happened here. The disciples must be familiar with Jesus' voice because they were with him every single day. Jesus didn't have to introduce himself. It's me, and that's enough. It's me. I come from Indonesia, and even today, some people there believe that there are gods and goddesses who live in the sea. So whenever they see a storm, they would say, Oh, God so-and-so is angry right now, and let's do something to calm him. But you see, Jesus is the total opposite. We don't calm Jesus. Jesus calms us. We cannot calm the storm. Jesus is more than able to calm the storm. In fact, not only that, Jesus walks on the water in the storm. So Christ said, have you met Jesus? I'm talking about the real Jesus here. The real Jesus whose power is so great, it causes you great fear. But at the same time, whose voice calms you, soothes you, encourages you. Have you met him? Have you met the real Jesus? Take heart. It is I. Don't be afraid. So that's our first point. The real Jesus is the great and the most powerful God who wants to save us. Point number two. Jesus is the gracious God, so gracious that he's willing to save us even when we doubt him. Let's go back to chapter 14 and look at verses 28 to 31 again with me. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? So in these verses, we're going to look at two prayers and two answers to those prayers. First prayer, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Now, what's, what's wrong with this prayer? What's wrong with this prayer? It's conditional. If it's you. Now, maybe, maybe, 
we need to give the benefit of the doubt to Peter. It was dark, maybe he couldn't see clearly, but Peter would have never thought that it will be Jesus. For one, no real human beings can walk on the water, and second, they left Jesus at the shore when they set out. But you see, Peter recognized the voice. He called him Lord. It can't be Jesus, but it's Jesus' voice. It doesn't add up. I think Peter here feels the need to check it out. And you know what? Maybe it's you today. Maybe it's you today. You're here because you hear about Jesus and you sense there's something different about Jesus and you want to check him out. And like you, Peter is realizing something unprecedented here is happening. As a Jew, he would have been familiar with the story of how God parted the water so that his people can go through the water as they were rescued from Egypt. But you see, God never made anyone walk on the water. So Peter must be thinking, this is different. This must be the God himself who created the water. And, he, if, and if he is God, he can make me do anything just by his word. And thus the request, command me, command me. Now you see, Peter didn't say command me to walk on the water. He said, command me to come to you on the water. Now, what's that mean? You see, at that time, there's no books to read, no internet, no Google, no chat GPT. So if you want to learn, you have to be physically present with your teacher. It's in person. It's face-to-face. It's no online option, no Zoom, no hybrid classes. You have to be physically with your teacher. So I think Peter said what he said here, because he wanted to see if God, this God on the water, is really the teacher he loves. It's the teacher he knows. Lord, I'm not sure if it's you, but I want to come to you like I always do. And I believe this is why Jesus granted his request. Come. And that's the first answer. Come. Now, Peter had no other choice but to obey. It's a command, right? And he did obey. He got off the boat and reached Jesus on the water in the storm. Can you imagine how crazy it is? It's amazing, isn't it? But now, he saw the wind. He got scared again. He got scared again. As he was beginning to sing, he said the second prayer, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. You remember the disciples were not afraid of the wind at the beginning of the story. They were not afraid. But why is Peter afraid now? Because he was no longer on the boat. Peter is afraid now because he was no longer on the boat. You see, when Peter got out of the boat, he let go of the only thing that keeps him alive in the storm. But you see, Christ said, by letting that boat go, he found Jesus in the storm who can actually keep him alive forever. But uh, when he saw the strong wind, it's so strong and he totally forgot about that. And actually it's pretty silly because Jesus is just right there beside him, right? He reached Jesus and then he was singing and then he's like freaking out. But you see Jesus immediately stretched out his hand and grabbed him 
And it's a good thing that Jesus didn't just watch and say, Oh, I'm sorry, Peter, you're sinking because you're doubting me. Stop doubting first, then I'll save you. And it's a good thing it's not me. Because to me, and for me, I don't think Peter is worth saving. Peter doesn't seem worth saving. He's doubting Jesus. But Jesus immediately saved Peter. Christ City, this is what we call grace. This is grace. Jesus is the gracious God that he still saved Peter, even though Peter doubted him. But do you know that the grace of Jesus is much greater than that? You see, we, like Peter, we are not worth saving. Romans 5 verse 8, But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus stretched out His hands to pull Peter out of the water. That same hands was stretched out and nailed to the cross to save us, to pull us out from the water of sin and unbelief so that we can go across from darkness to light. You see, Peter walked through the storm to find Jesus. Jesus walked through the greatest storm, the darkest storm that you could ever imagine to find us. Peter did find Jesus, yet Peter still doubted Jesus. But when Jesus finds us, he will never, ever let us go. And he's faithful, even though we're not faithful. And do you want to know the best part? We don't have to walk on the water to find Jesus. We don't have to walk on the water to receive the grace of Jesus. It's a gift. So Christ City, maybe you're like Peter today. Maybe you've made your first step to come to Jesus, and maybe now you're hesitating. Maybe you have doubts about Him. You have those lingering questions. But let me encourage you this morning. If Jesus calls you today, would you come to him with your doubts, with your questions, and let him deal with them? Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Peter cried out the second prayer, Lord, save me, and followed by the second answer. <laughs> this time, it's in the form of a question, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Jesus asked this question not only to Peter, but also to me, and maybe to you too. Like Peter, I have tasted the goodness of Jesus. He redeemed me. He blessed me with so many gifts. He answered my prayer. But why did I still doubt? Why did you doubt? Do you remember when Brand gave an illustration about uh about how we cannot have one foot on the boat and the other on the dock. You guys remember that? This is exactly what the word doubt means here. Peter's putting one foot on the boat and the other on the water with Jesus. When we had a little bit of money, my wife and I, we were thinking of putting that money into investments. And this is the first lesson I got from my financial planner. And uh, I'm pretty sure all you guys from uh, finance guys, you know this very well. You should never put all your eggs in one basket, right? 
you want to diversify your investment. You want to split your money so that when one doesn't perform well, the other's gain might pick up the losses, might offset the losses. It's so smart, isn't it? But Christ City, when it comes to Jesus, you cannot diversify your trust. When it comes to Jesus, we cannot diversify our trust. We cannot trust Jesus while keeping one foot in the boat. When we're sinking, the biggest challenge for us is not the storm. The biggest challenge for us is whether we want to fix our eyes on Jesus and trust Him only. That's the challenge. So remember when my son was admitted to NICU when he was born? On the second day, I was called for an update. As I entered the room, I saw a man reading the x-ray photos. It's like, okay. He dressed like he doesn't belong there. You see, I had to wear a scrub. This is NICU, okay? I see you. I had to wear a scrub. He didn't even wear one. He wore this fancy shirt, slim fit jeans, something that I will never wear, and, <laughs> and pointy leather shoes. He really looked like a cowboy at least in my head, I didn't know who he was. So I approached him, and then this is what he said to me. Oh, nothing to worry about. His lungs are filled with water, but I'm sure he'll be okay. Then he just scrapped, left the room. Like, no empathy at all. Like, okay. I was thinking, um, something doesn't add up, does it? Why would the cowboy tell me that my son's going to be okay? Like, Something's wrong here. So I asked the nurse who this guy was. And she said, don't worry. It's him. It's the doctor. Your son is in good hands. So apparently this doctor is very famous because he's helped so many premature babies. But you know what? I felt so relieved when she said that. Because now I can trust him. I can trust the cowboy. Christ said, if I could easily trust this doctor who looked like a cowboy and put my son's life into his hands, how much more should we trust Jesus and put our lives into his hands? Jesus is truly God. He is great. He is gracious. And we shouldn't doubt him. And we should trust him with our lives. And for the third and last point, we'll see how glorious He is. So glorious that we can't help but worship and adore Him. Third point, Jesus is the glorious God, verses 32 and 33, the last two verses. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped Him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. You see, it's very unusual for a first century Jews to bow their knees to a human being because they will only do that to God. But when Jesus returned to the boat, the wind ceased. Can you imagine that for a second? Jesus and Peter got into the boat, back into the boat, and all of a sudden, wind ceased. A sudden calm. There's stillness. And at that moment, the disciples saw what they've never seen before. They saw the glory of God. 
They now see the true identity of their teacher. They see that the one standing right in front of them is not only the good teacher, Jesus. He is the God, Jesus. And when they see Jesus' true identity, their own identity is radically changed as well. They're not only the disciples of Jesus, they are now the worshipers of Jesus. And when they realize that, they cannot help but bow their knees to Jesus. And you see, not only their identity, their whole life must now be radically transformed. Now, when they follow Jesus, they not only observe Jesus, but they obey Jesus. Not only do they learn from Jesus, they now live for Jesus. They seek no longer to be a better person, but to be a better servant. Once they want to improve their self-worth because they, they're following the famous teacher, Jesus, but now they see their unworthiness before the God Jesus, the only one who is worthy of worship, praise, and adoration. So Christ City, I asked you earlier if you have met Jesus today. If you have met Jesus. If you're not sure, uh, just ask yourself. Just ask yourself this. Who do I worship today? Who do I worship today? For whom and for whose glory do I live my life today? And you can even ask yourself today, why am I here this morning? Why am I here this morning? If you're here because Jesus has been good to you, praise the Lord. Jesus is good. And it's good to give thanks. You know, I happen to be the director of worship here and... <laughs> You know, I, I love it every time you sing your heart out to Jesus. It's just so amazing. But Christ City, I humbly ask all of us this morning, this is myself included, that when we gather together, we're here not only to sing, not only to learn about Jesus, not only to hear about Jesus. We're here to see Jesus and to behold His glory because He is right here. He is right here among us, and He is worthy of our worship. And I hope when you share with others about Christ City, you tell them only one thing. I'm joining Christ City because Jesus is present there. I'm joining Christ City because Jesus is present there, and every time we gather together, Jesus is worshipped. Jesus is adored. And not only within these walls. I pray that all of us, we, we can become a community. A community who gives their lives day in and day out for Jesus and for His glory. And when we walk out from this place, back into the city, we only have one mission. Glorify Jesus and make Him known. Christ City, everything we do and everything we say, we do it for Jesus and His glory. And we do it until everyone around us will say to us, you really love your Jesus. You really love your Jesus. So I'm going to close by asking all of us to spend some time to pray. And let's pray to Jesus now. You see, like the disciples, we are together on the same boat. Some of us have known Jesus for years, but perhaps... Some of us uh, have not yet known Him at all. 
But you see, that's, that doesn't really matter because what really matters now is we are on the boat together. And Jesus is with us. He is on the boat. He's standing right in front of us and He's waiting for our response. Some of us may think that uh, they've heard about Jesus but never seen Him. And if that's you, would you pray to Him today? Pray to Him that He would reveal Himself and His glory to you. Should do that. That He would cause you to worship Him. To cause you to say truly, you are the Son of God. And maybe some of you um, have doubts. And if that's you, if you have doubts, would you come to Him with your doubts? Don't wait until you have no doubts. You will always have doubts. But come to Him with your doubts so that you can freely worship Him. And I know some of us come here today and you might be hurting with pain and suffering. Some of us here may be struggling with life issues that distract us, that cause us to take our eyes off Jesus like Peter. We only saw the wind. If that's you today, Would you come to Jesus now? Would you come to Him and let Jesus comfort, come and strengthen your faith today? Hear Him say, take heart. It is I. Don't be afraid. And worship Him. Would you pray with me? Let's take a few minutes to pray. Brent will later come up and lead us in response. But let's take a few minutes and face Jesus right now who is standing right in front of us. Just come to Him with who you are, with all you have. Just come to Jesus now.